The Chargers offseason activities have begun and now we start thinking about the battles that will start to happen including several starting spots up for grabs and I think that Quentin Johnson, their first round pick, will be able to win a starting spot. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we've been covering the Chargers together now for seven seasons, but this is our fifth season as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen today, and to make sure you never miss the show, go follow or subscribe for free on Twitter and listen wherever you get your podcast. David, what do we got today? Well, after the draft, now we can take a look forward to training camp and some of the major training camp battles that we are expected to see. Battles like Quentin Johnston versus Joshua Palmer and Josh Kelly versus Isaiah Spiller. Also, on the defensive side, with Kenneth Murray and new draft pick Deion Henley, it's going to be very interesting to see who is able to come out on top of these training camp battles. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of starting positions available going into the draft, right? But there are a couple of starting spots or pseudo starting spots that will be available, including, you know, Quentin Johnson versus Josh Palmer and also whoever wins that running back to roll. If it's anything like we saw with Zeke and Tony Pollard in Dallas, both of those guys will get a lot of run as the Chargers running back. So I think a lot of snaps up for grabs. Then we'll talk about later in the show, just some key members at the bottom of the roster, guys trying to earn rotational defensive line snaps right who steps up as that third tight end and so much more but it starts even with the Chargers first round pick in Quentin Johnston because I don't think he comes into this camp as the starting wide receiver and I think you know there are three starting wide receivers in today's NFL especially with the Chargers likely to lean into the 11 personnel with three wide receivers and a tight end it's hard for me, David, to not think that Josh Palmer is going in as wide receiver four, right? But it seems hard to believe that by the time training camp is finished, by the time we get deeper into the offseason, that Quentin Johnston can't go and take that spot. Yeah, wide receiver three, right? Yeah, definitely. There's a real uh, possibility that that could happen. I mean, when you are taken in the first round, there are expectations that come with that. And part of those expectations are that you're going to contribute a lot quicker than some of the other draft picks in other rounds. So, I mean, Quentin Johnson's not going to be given anything. You hear every coach in, in the world say that. We're not going to give you it. You have to earn it, but you have to uh, expect and imagine he's going to be given every opportunity to earn that role in training camp. Yeah, I mean, you don't take a first-round pick that you don't think can contribute for you early, but first-year wide receivers have had varied results under the Chargers. I mean, Joshua Palmer had a much more successful rookie season than Mike Williams did with his yeah. catches, right? No <laughs> touchdowns his first year. So Triple the catches. <laughs> yeah, truly. And, I mean, I think that it wouldn't be far-fetched to believe that Josh Palmer keeps that job going into the regular season, but I think the things that he has going against him are this. Quentin Johnston is a better fit to line up alongside Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. He has an yeah. explosive, you know, game that fits well with their kind of different skill sets. In Keenan Allen's case, a great route runner, right? He's going to be invaluable on third downs and is always yeah. going to be a man-to-man -man nightmare to cover. And Mike Williams, who obviously is a possession receiver that has some deep ability as far as just best 50-50 ball player 
in the entire league. Quentin Johnson yeah. is neither of those things, right? Right. But that works in this scenario because you have a dude who can bring some yards after the catch, especially if teams want to play Justin Herbert with a shell over the defense and, you know, make them go underneath. He is someone that can actually exploit that. And I think the other thing here, David, is just you have to think theoretically he was handpicked by Kellen Moore, given, you know, three of the top four receivers still available when the Chargers picked at 21. And that makes me also think, hey, new offense, New, you know, Josh Palmer wasn't picked by Kellen Moore, right? So yeah. I think that's the other thing that Quentin Johnston has going for him. Yet we have seen in the past, right, guys like this not be able to win that starting job. I think in his case, I think he gets it done. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. And I think it's just the skill set is the reason why he has the advantage. I mean, he's got a little bit more speed. He's got a little more height. He's got some more length than Joshua Palmer, and he's more explosive with the ball yeah. in his hands. He's able to create, and that's one of the biggest things that's been missing from the Chargers offense. That's what Quinton Johnston brings to the table. That's why you brought this guy in. So when you can get him open on those crossers or or those, you know, those routes that are designed for yards after catch, you can see someone actually get yards after catch. So, yeah, I mean, with him being handpicked and his skill set, I just think that if he goes in there healthy and he puts his head down and gets to work, that he's going to be able to get that job. And there's some other spots in the wide receiver room that are going to shake itself out as well, because I think Darius Davis has the gadget role kind of to lose. Yeah. I don't know if there's anyone else. I mean, Quentin Johnston might be that guy, honestly, as far as, you know, who is getting jet sweeps and wide yeah. receiver screens and things like that. But he is kind of the only guy that fills that role as we see it, the return man slash gadget player like we saw DeAndre Carter last year. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what Jalen Guyton's role is now because he was signed before the draft. They've added some speed since then, but obviously he brings a little bit more of just a deep threat who's a big body that can't just be out physical more than right. likely like a Darius Davis might struggle with, you know, a 4-3 guy that yeah. has that traditional speed like that. So we'll see kind of what his role ends up being. But I want to look at the running backs too because it seems like it's a two-man race for RB2 for the Chargers. We both assume that Austin Eckler is going to be on the Chargers throughout the 2023 season. Yeah. The RB2 spot, though, David, I think is really up for grabs. Obviously, the latest running back to be drafted by the Chargers was Isaiah Spiller, right? Josh Kelly's going to the last year of his four-year rookie contract. Josh Kelly had the explosive breakout year last year, but, David, it feels like this is a 50-50 race kind of going into it, and it seems like both guys will have an equal opportunity to get that next you know, biggest load, the next biggest share of the carries behind Austin Eckler. Well, just like a guy we're going to talk about a little bit later in JT Woods, it seems like the coaches are speaking very, very highly of Isaiah Spiller, and they have a lot of expectations for how he is going to contribute to this team this year. And last year, he just never really got those opportunities, whether it was because he was hurt or because he didn't earn the coach's trust to get on the football field, whatever that was, it never materialized. Yeah. He just didn't get on the field enough to be able to show what he is able to do. So you have to hope that he had a fully healthy offseason where he was able to get into a good program, rededicate himself like his competition did last year with Josh Kelly and comes in with the best shape of his life, ready to compete because it's, this one's going to be a very fierce battle. I think this is going to be one of the better ones that we are going to see in training camp. These are guys I expect to play in the preseason and it might have some correlation on how this battle ends up uh, shaking out. And I just think that the lack of moves the Chargers have made around this group have kind of told you how they feel about Isaiah Absolutely. Spiller, right? And the confidence they have between him and Josh And he's so, still so young, and I think people forget about that aspect of it, too. 
Yeah, he was like the youngest player coming into the draft last season. He was like 19 years old when he got yeah. drafted, which is incredibly rare. Crazy. Also means there's a lot of room to grow. But at the same time, it's like you can't always hold your breath and think someone's going to have a body transformation like Josh Kelly had, right? That's very, very rare that you sure. can actually so easily see the difference body composition-wise and just right. the actual explosiveness that the player has. Like Josh Kelly probably starts in this with a, a you know a step-up over Isaiah Spillard right after what he did last year. But yeah, Zeke and Tony Pollard last year each had 193 carries or more. The next best guy, right, the third string running back in that equation was Malik Davis, who had 38, right? So it seems like if we're going based on that model, two of these guys are going to get the lion's share, obviously, mm. you know, unless an injury happens or something right. of the like. But, like, we'll see what Larry Roundtree kind of brings to the table. But I think the other thing to watch here is as this battle keeps going on, if they bring in someone like Zeke, I think that kind of tells you how they feel about somebody stepping up and really taking over that role. Oh, yeah. So we'll see, you know, if, if that becomes an option later on, if they don't love what they see from either of these guys. But I think Chargers fans want Isaiah Spiller to be that guy. He's under contract yeah. for the next three seasons, including this upcoming year. And you want him to take over because guess what? You don't have any other running backs under contract after next year, right? I mean, you could None. probably say like Larry Roundtree maybe, but like, I'm going to keep him out of the mix on that for, at this point because I, I think we've seen all we need to see from that. But best case scenario, Isaiah Spiller wins this job and, and really kind of runs away with it. But I do think the one place Josh Kelly really has him right now, pass protection, protecting Justin Herbert. He yeah. has a couple of seasons head start on that, and that's yeah. one of the hardest things to learn as a rookie coming into the league. So it'll be very interesting, but I think Isaiah Spiller has the talent to go and get that job and be a meaningful part of this offense. But if Josh Kelly comes in and looks amazing like he did last year, that's not a terrible thing either. But we'd yeah. have more position groups to get into, including a couple of starting spots on defense. Can Kenneth Murray get pushed by Dayon Henley in year one? Can JT Woods come out of nowhere, learn how to tackle, and try to find a way into the starting role at safety? We're going to get into that coming up after this. But I do need to tell you guys, the one place thing that's not getting replaced is my favorite protein bar and i'm talking about built bar for me built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and the only protein bar really that i eat because how are you going to switch protein bars when you have flavors like peanut butter brownie or peanut butter puff or snickerdoodle chunk puff or cinnamon churro the flavors set them apart you will find your favorite flavor when you go to builtbar.com or when you go to sam's club or walmart and check out the different flavors they have available you have to try it because not only is it healthy but it's tasty. Most of the bars have only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar packed with 17 grams of protein. You're getting something that tastes good on your diet. Break up the monotony of the chicken and the rice and the chalky, waxy other protein bars you've been eating and get something that's 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And now you can go to Sam's Club and get a 13-bar box or Walmart, go grab a four-bar box. But since you listen to this show, you can still go to BuiltBar.com. You can save some money. If you use the promo code LOCKEDON15, you can save 15% off your next order. More training camp battles to get in here, David. And I think that, you know, even though it's training camp battles, these battles are starting now. Like, these oh, yeah. guys are getting in there. A lot of it's going to have to do, especially with some of these young guys, how quickly they can pick things up. JT Woods is a guy last year. Didn't spend a lot of time with the team in like the beginning parts of OTAs, right? Wasn't with the team at the beginning, didn't sign his contract very early on. I think we saw a bit of that learning curve kind of show itself later on. And also just a guy, right, who was, you know, running track and all of those things. And he's going to be very interesting to see. But I do want to start with the linebacking core too, because, or first, because 
Kenneth Murray has been a thorn in the side of many Chargers fans who had very high hopes for him as a first-round pick as the Chargers traded up to get him in the first round in the year that they took Justin Herbert. And that's going to come with a certain level of expectations, which, to be fair, he has not met, right? Either when he was alongside Kazir White, when he's alongside Drew Tranquil, and now we'll see what happens here with Eric Kendricks. But the Chargers spend a third-round pick on Dayon Henley, which is a move for the future for sure, but hard not to think that it could have immediate impact this year. And you wonder, David, what the Chargers are kind of feeling about this right now, what new defensive coordinator Derek Ansley is feeling about this right now, what new linebackers coach Jeff Howard is feeling about this right now. Because to me, David, it feels like Dayon Henley should be coming into this you know, defense this year in training camp this year and have a shot if he plays well enough to potentially take that role away. I agree 100% with that. And the reason why is because you understand what the deficiencies of Kenneth Murray's game is. Yeah. He's not a guy that is the ver- the most sure tackler in the world. He has a lot of athleticism, but it has never really materialized at the NFL level. Not consistently, and yeah. Not, not consistently, right. And so when you enter Dayon Henley into the conversation, he should be very, very scared because Dayon Henley is a phenomenal tackler. He's a very sure tackler. He only missed five tackles all of last season, and that has been one of Kenneth Murray's kryptonites. So definitely he should be feeling that kind of hair on the back of his neck because Deion Henley is going to be hunting for that job. I just think it should make Chargers fans feel good that hopefully, right, especially with the fifth-year option being declined on Kenneth Murray, right, maybe showing you a little bit that the front office is souring on him no matter what they kind of are saying publicly, which is, we love him, you know? It doesn't matter that we decline the fifth-year option. That doesn't actually show how we feel. And to some extent, I get that because, (laughs) like, I think it was $10-plus million they would have had to pay him for his fifth-year option. So, like, you're not going to pay that for a linebacker that's still kind of proving himself, but... Even in flashes last year, you know, you saw why the Chargers were so intrigued initially by Kenneth Murray. Like, he had some really nice splash plays last year. Yeah, surrounded by a lot of inconsistent moment. But at the same time, I think the biggest plays that Dayon Henley showed me, at least when I watched him in college, that he has an edge over Kenneth Murray is it just seems like he knows what's going on up front. He has a really good read of where the ball is going to go, and he has a quick trigger to go and fill the right spots. And I just think that's something that Kenneth Murray has consistently ran himself out of plays. He's put himself in the wrong spot. He's gotten caught up on blocks. Dayon Henley, really, really good at evading blocks. Really good at diagnosing quickly and figuring out where he wants to go. And this is a dude that was playing safety a few years ago, right? So, like, I think those are the places where he helps you right away. And I don't know. I'm not going to come on here and say, hey, this dude's going to be lined up next to Eric Kendricks. And we'll see kind of, you know, which one of those dudes can learn more from Eric Kendricks, a dude who's been an all-pro player in this league. But what I will say is it would really surprise me if Dayon Henley doesn't come into this camp and, first of all, just you know make his case on special teams and, and really kind of ingratiate himself <laughs> to the coaching staff that way, but also getting in on sub-packages, David, because I think if you're talking about sub-package linebackers, I think the guy who fits that role the best, Dayon Henley, the most athletic, chance to be the best coverage linebacker, I think, on this team very early. And I think when you add that with the you know, kind of processing ability and how well that Eric Kendricks picks up route combinations and things like that in front of him. That's going to be a really, really valuable lesson for that dude. And it'll be also interesting here quickly, David, kind of to see how that back end of this linebacker room shakes out. Is it still Nick Neiman and Amen Ogbong-Bamiga, both you know, special teams guy at the bottom of this group? Can one of those guys put their names in the conversation? We'll see. 
Yeah, we definitely will. And, and I think we know one thing about this coaching staff as it comes to the linebacker position. And it's, and it's the pathway for you to start is for you to make an impact on special teams. We've seen that time yeah. and time again with Kaiser White. We've seen it with Drew Tranquil. And now we're going to see it with Dayon Henley, who, you know, had I saw a clip of him, you know, uh, from Ryan Ficken, the Chargers special teams coordinator, basically saying one of the first things he says is, hey, have you seen my special teams tape uh, as far as Dayon Henley is concerned, which is awesome. And he was a core special teams guy, a ton of experience. And so yeah. he's probably going to follow that same path to get himself on the football field, because as soon as he impresses there, the next thing is, is, hey, let's get him on the defense. Let's get him into a sub package. Let's see what else he can do and how else he can impact the game for us. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is I think the coaching staff in the front office kind of showed you how they felt about guys like Nick Neiman and Bong taking on bigger roles with this team when they decided to draft Dayon Henley in the third yeah. round. But let's get to another starting potential spot up for grabs here with JT Woods versus Aloe Gilman. Admittedly, it feels like a very hard gap for JT Woods to make up here, but the Chargers yeah. spent a third-round pick on him. Alohi Gilman was drafted under a different regime, right, but had his best season of the year, took Nizir Adderley's job last year. And this one's going to be very interesting, David, to see, you know, can JT Woods cover that seemingly kind of Grand canyon size gap right now to throw his name into contention for this starting job alongside Derwin James? Yeah, that is the question. And, and I think, honestly, you should want this to happen because I feel like he is the best prototype type of safety to pair with Derwin James. Yeah. If you have a guy that's on the back end that has the coverage ability that can see in the deep part of the field that has the ball skills to be able to take the football away, you want that. You want that, but you also have to have somebody on the back end that you trust to be that last line of defense defender. And right now, that's not something you can say about JT Woods. So that is going to be his biggest conquest. It's going to yeah. be the one thing he's going to have to prove over and over and over again is that he is a much better tackler than he was before. And as soon as he is able to do that, his other skills will put him on the football field. I think the hard thing here is it feels like there should be another veteran in this room. And it's not even just, you know, hating on Alohi Gilman or just saying, hey, that's a really small sample size to just full your, you know, throw yourself fully into that and, and you know, committing yourself to that going into this yeah. year. But, like, Derwin James has an injury history. Like, we cannot yeah. pretend that that doesn't exist. And it just seems like, to me, you need another person that's capable, a league average guy, right, something close to that to be able to come in if Derwin James gets hurt. And even when Derwin James is healthy, right? Best yeah. case scenario, you're able to move Derwin James around. The problem is, is if you don't have two guys on the back end that you trust, that's yeah. going to really pigeonhole the defensive coaching staff into where they can put Derwin James on this defense, how much freedom he has to go play nickel and star or star and money in these other positions that yeah. aren't playing just back there at safety. Like if you don't have two other guys back there, what do you, you know, how are you not worried about that? How are you not going to have that exposed? How are you not going to have broken plays? Or just guys missing tackles, like you talked about. If you're that last line of defense, we've seen it fail, right? And Nazir mm -hmm. Adderley had a really tough time with that. Rayshon yeah. Jenkins had a really tough time with that. Even you know, Jaleel Adai yeah. had a tough time with that when he was moved into that role. So, like, that is a very important role. You also have to be able to come up and fill against the run. JT Woods, I don't know, man. It's hard to see right now. He's one of the players I'm most excited about. It seems like the yep. coaching staff is putting a lot into him having a full offseason to stay with, you know, the strength and conditioning be with the team during this whole offseason process. But that's, that room seems incredibly thin. Right now it, it seems like Raheem Lane and maybe even Mark Webb, if they even think of him as a safety, are going to be guys vying for the back end of that roster if the Chargers, you know, hold four safeties. 
Yeah. And that just doesn't breed a lot of confidence, right? How long can you wait on Mark Webb? Did Raheem right. Lane show enough last year to make it, you know, make him a good enough player to potentially have to come in and start? Because you're one Derwin James injury away from one yeah. of these guys having to start no matter who wins this battle, right? So yeah. I think there's a lot at stake in this battle, and it would just make me feel a lot better about it if there was a veteran presence pushing some of these guys. Maybe John Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe accelerating uh. the learning process and, you know, lighting a fire. I mean, we saw how much the veterans the Chargers brought in last year made a difference in their season. To think that you're not Massively. needing to go and find a couple more veterans that could potentially help. And if they don't help, who cares? At this point in the offseason, they're not going to cost very much. So yeah. I just don't see the downside in it. I'd love to see a body added to this room to make me feel a little bit better about a very, very shallow position for the Chargers, no matter who wins the training camp battle. But there are a lot of rules that aren't starting rules that are also up for grabs for this team and a lot of snaps that could be on the you know on. The verge of going one way or another when you're looking at the back end of this roster. The defensive line, I think, is one of the ones where that thing could change dramatically from now to when this season kicks off, especially with the injuries at that position. Who is going to be the third tight end? Is it still Trey McKitty's job? We're going to get into that coming up after this. Oh, God, Trey McKitty. We'll talk about him. But I do think, David, when you're looking at the you know different roles and, and especially rotational roles, there are certain positions that kind of lend themselves that more than others. Like, yeah, you can have safeties play the entire game. An offensive line is going to play together the entire game. You're not going to be swapping out right, left guards, right. But the defensive line is always going to have a rotation. Like, it, it, in the best of times, you probably only want a dominant defensive tackle playing about 70% of the snaps, right? Yeah. Other bodies are going to get on the field, and the Chargers – really just have a bunch of bodies in that room right now. When you're looking at the defensive line kind of rotation and what's you know at stake at that spot, I think there's a lot. But that's just today, David, because tomorrow we're going to be getting into the latest coming out of OTAs because there are some things like Justin Herbert throwing, Quentin Johnston looking the part, and much more to get into before Fan Mail Friday where you guys, the everydayers, know how to get in touch with us in YouTube comments at LockdownLAC on Twitter at 323-524-7924 on the voicemail line. But... I want to start with this defensive line group, David. What are the kind of battles here that intrigue you the most? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the back end of that defensive line rotation. So, you know, guys like Scott Matlock and, and Gerard Clark, I think, you know, the, you know, the Otita Obonia, depending on how, how he is, his recovery is going. And I mean, that's a big part of the reason why this position group is very important because you have several guys that you are expecting to come back at some point, but you don't know what version of those guys. Right. Who are roster get. locks, right? right. Like who, who are roster locks at that position right now? Austin Johnson. Yeah. Sebastian Joseph Day. Yeah. Morgan Fox. You have yep. Tito coming off a major injury as a fifth round pick. You have Scott Matlock, who's a sixth-round pick, and then you have like kind of the other random guys like the David Moas, another Boise State guy, and the Christopher Hintons, kind of all vying. I mean, it seems like even even Basile Okoye as well, the 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 sure. exchange uh, player that they they received, right? The international player. opportunity, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting, David. Like I think Scott Matlock, it's like to me. I think he has the best chance to really show what he can do and earn a role for himself right away. Yeah. I think especially, like, is Tito going to be healthy? If he is healthy, you know, will he have enough time to kind of prove his worth on this yeah. roster as a fifth-round pick? I mean, I think he showed promise last year, but can you – can you afford to wait? Like, I think the most likely thing, maybe he starts off on the PUP list, right? Yeah, I agree. Miss the first few weeks of the season. Maybe that opens up a spot here. But 
no matter what, David, like these dudes are all going to have a ferocious battle and a ton yeah. of opportunity. If you're in that room right now and you're Gerard Clark as an undrafted free agent, if you're Derek, David Moa or Christopher Hinton, guys who were yeah. kind of holdovers that were only there when the Chargers were extremely injured, you have to feel like you have a shot. Absolutely. Like you like the 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 state of that room suggests that you do. So like you don't really are you might not ever have a more real opportunity to make a fifty three man roster than you have right Great now. Point. Yeah. You re- it's a huge opportunity for you guys, and you got to know that. So, and I'm sure they do. These guys are all intelligent, oh, yeah, they you do. Know, great, you know, good football players. So they know that this is going to be a rare chance for them to be able to get their their chance to be able to show everybody what they can do and try to make them themselves invaluable. So where they yeah. cannot be taken off the roster. Well, especially because it's like if you're just missing it, like there's going to be guys who make the practice squad, and that's going to be a competition for which oh, yeah. of these bodies they keep on the practice squad. And there's other guys who have been kind of hanging around the bottom of the roster, like the Braden Fehokos of the world, like yep. my sweet baby boy Forrest Merrill, who just I believe got signed by the Seahawks, right? That yes, were kind of did. floating around as depth pieces before and practice squad players before. That's a couple of new openings that are there potentially, yep. right? And I think. That was a room that really benefited from having guys like that be able to come on the roster after Austin Johnson's injury, after Otino, Tito Abonia's injury, Christian Covington's injury, right? Yeah. We saw how much they needed those guys, and it seems like the Chargers are bringing a very big group of dudes to kind of figure out not just who's at the end of the roster, but some guys on the practice squad that can, they can call up because that is a, a position that gets really heavily hit with attrition. So yeah. I'm excited to see that. Didn't mean to rhyme there, but there are more positions that we want to talk about including a position that I did not really want to talk about because I did not want to have a conversation about saying Stone Smart or Trey McKitty as tight end three for this team I think David going into this offseason feels like Gerald Everett Donald Parham are pretty locked into tight end one tight end two depending on how Kellen Moore sees those guys but like Woof, if you're talking about having a veteran there, like I would feel a lot better if there were some more guys to push some of these very unproven commodities. And I think it's kind of a pick your poison as far as what you want to see out of tight end three. Trey McKitty, a guy who's supposed to be a good blocker versus Stone Smart, where I don't think you're ever going to confuse him for a big blocker. He's just not big enough. I don't think to do that. It's very interesting to see kind of how this tight end room shakes out. Yeah, I mean, you got to feel like you need more from that third tight end. I mean, especially if he is supposed yeah. to be your blocking tight end. I mean, it, it was not nearly good enough last no. year. And they said and, it. And yeah, and they, they said it. They made it very clear. So you got to also think that this is another position that should be up for grabs. Like, it should be a position that they should be looking to upgrade. They should be looking to get some more production from so you got to look at guys like a hunter cam moyer and a michael Ezeke. well because four tight ends probably make the spot right we're talking about tight end three here but there's a great chance that four guys are actually in this room at the bottom yeah so exactly so the the camp moyers the Ezekes, the richard rogers all of those guys have a real opportunity if they can block a little bit better still around yeah yeah he's he's still on the roster i mean according to chargers.com i mean i could be wrong but uh, yeah, I mean, this is another spot where you feel like, you know, you just need to get a little bit more. So hopefully somebody shows up in camp and, and takes that spot. Yeah, and I think it's another one kind of like with running backs where it's like, I think you'll know how the team feels about this position by the moves they make or don't oh, yeah. make at it, right? I mean, to me, even if it's like a Jeff Swain, right, it doesn't even have to be a, a guy that's going to move the needle, but just to get some more able-bodied people in there because kind of like with safety, like you can love Donald Parham as tied into and think he's going to break out all you want. You're one injury away from either Stone Smart, Hunter Camp Moyer, 
right? Or Trey McKitty thrust into a gigantic role. I don't think oh, you're yeah. going to see as much two tight end formations that you know that we saw with Kellen Moore in his time in Dallas because of what he has available to him, right? But oh, man, I mean, it, it, it's hard to feel really, really good about the depth of this position. I like Gerald Everett, right? Yeah. When Donald Barham is is healthy, it seems like he's a guy that just has been underutilized. But how long before it's on you, right? If it's yeah. three years of not being able to perform up to snuff. Yeah, Two potential doesn't matter anymore. Year, really gnarly concussion the year before that. He's had some bumps along the road, and it's very hard to find consistency and find your rhythm. But brand new, fresh start, new offense with Kellen Moore. We'll see how it plays out. But a position they were, that I'm going to be watching very closely because I need to see what the Chargers have behind those two guys yeah. who we kind of know who they are at this point. I'd love to see Trey McKitty really you know, show up and make a huge improvement. I didn't think he was that bad as a rookie last Please. year. He seemed to worse Yeah, I'd than love that. to see it. Hard to say, but it's just hard to have faith in it, you know, and to be like, I can't really give that a vote of confidence right now. One more, David, I think under the radar kind of, you know, shuffling that could happen is on the interior of the offensive line with Jordan McFadden coming into this group, right? And also having the incumbent guys like Will Clapp. And then you also have Brandon Hymas, who they've been terrified to put on the field. It feels like to me, the swing guard spot is open. And I think the first guard on the field is really the position or the battle that I'm most looking forward to watching because I think they're willing to put Will Clapp in at guard if they have to, right? But I think they like him more as a backup center. Can Jordan McFadden, right, go and take this spot? Brandon Hymas, it's so hard, another guy where it's very hard to know what to think about him at this point. But it does feel like that's a spot where, like, that key backup, that first guy on the field, the guy that comes on to make sure Senio Calamete doesn't have to get signed off the streets, that's a spot that feels like it's up for grabs. Yeah, it definitely does. And, and I think I honestly just want to make the point that I am elated that we are talking about a backup offensive line <laughs> position yeah. being what we are discussing as far as a camp battle. So having those top five solidified and you feel really good sure. about it's great that's but, a great point. yeah i think they absolutely should be looking to upgrade because if you you know it feels like they would rather take a timeout than put brendan hymas on the football field uh, i have. mean that's just that, that's <laughs> exactly yeah. that that's just the the feeling that you get so yeah jordan mcfadden definitely coming in here to be that swing guard of the future and then potentially down the line uh, an heir apparent to you know the brilliant center that the the chargers currently have so we, yeah. we will see what happens on that yeah, like it's hard for me to think. It'll be like that's one of the things you can really see in training camp, right? Is how much they're putting guys at certain positions. Yeah. So far, the news coming out of rookie camp and things like that is that Jordan McFadden has been exclusively playing guard, yeah. right? Not at tackle and guard to see he's been playing guard and they have a big need there because that is really, really shallow behind two guys you feel really good about Jamari Sawyer and Zion Johnson. I'm going to say both of their spots are pretty solidified. Yeah. Very hard for me to believe that a first-round pick and a guy who started a left tackle for you last year are not going to have a role in this starting offensive line. But every single year, David, offensive line injuries happen. Last year, it was oh, yeah. Sean Slater. We've no seen doubt. pretty much every person on this offensive line outside of Zion Johnson and Jamari Sawyer miss time at some point. Yeah. And it's been a story told way too many times for Chargers fans, right? So, Building this depth is going to be something that's incredibly important. Having someone that Jordan McFadden who could step in and be that nice surprise if he is forced into action, I think is really what you're hoping for there. But that's going to do it for today's show. But that's just today. You know, as always, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day will be back with you guys tomorrow talking about the latest coming out of the first of the Chargers OTAs, their rookie mini camps, and much more, including on Friday where we're getting to Fan Mail Friday. And you guys can get your voice on the show and tell us what you want us to talk about. And you can do that by hitting us up on Twitter at LockdownLAC. You can also hit me up at Dan Talk Sports. And David Drogmeyer's DMs are always open at SD. You can also hit us up in the YouTube comments. Make sure you're subscribing to our Locked On Chargers YouTube channel. 
And make sure you're listening wherever you get your podcast from. If you want to go give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and put your question in there, it will absolutely get read as well. But you can also find us on Instagram at Locked On Chargers. We'll probably put a post out there. And also on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. If you guys want to get your voice on the show, you can make it onto the Locked On Chargers podcast if you call into 323-524-7924 and get your 30-second voicemail and question in there. Really, really good chance you get it on the show. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow talking about the latest coming out of Chargers organized team activities. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.